We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Green with Envy. I am today's host, Greg Benakis, joined as always by my guy, Adam Taylor. Adam, I know you're on mute right now, but I'm going to need you to come off mute. Let everyone hear Henry snoring and tell everybody what's good. Yeah, he's snoring heavily, dude. He's going for a growth spurt, so he just keeps falling into like really deep REM sleeps. I'm good, man. I'm good. It's warm here, which is a shock. I know everyone in Boston's getting that fall weather. I've seen people... Some people happy, some people not happy on Twitter about it. It's uh, we've had similar, but I'm good, man. I'm just we're, we're on the countdown, dude. We're on the countdown to media day, and that's what really matters right now. We are on the countdown. September 23rd, I believe, was the official transition from summer to fall. So we are in fall season for us here in the states. That means it's football season. Obviously, you're not watching American football, so we're not gonna bore everybody with me trying to explain the game of American football to you as entertaining as that might be. Um, but yeah, training camps, uh, 10 days away. So just some quick programming notes. We're going to have a lot more like real in-depth Celtics content coming for you, uh, within the next month or so, because the Celtics are going to be back in training camp media day is about a week away. Training camps about two weeks away. Uh, so we're ready to go with that. Um, we did 20 minutes, a quick hit on Friday, just kind of breaking down our thoughts on Lamar Stevens. So if you're looking for a little bit more Lamar Stevens content, cause why wouldn't you be, uh, you can go back one episode in our feed. There's also a great interview that will, uh, who's still on vacation right now did with uh, Christian Winfield of the New York daily news. Great conversation. We had, uh, I was actually meeting up with my buddy yesterday here, Adam in Austin, Texas, my guy, Steve Yee, who's been on the pod. He wore, he does like a celebrity branded content. He works with LeBron. He works with the Kardashians. He works with Chrissy Teigen, uh, works with a bunch of people, but he's a big fan of the show. And he said that Christian Winfield was his so far his favorite guest. So if you want to take a super fan's word for it, go listen to that episode with uh, Will and Christian Winfield. It was a great episode. But Adam, let's just uh, I figure before we get into some real hard hitting Celtics content, man, update me on your life. I feel like we haven't had a chance to chop it up. Just the two of us. Yeah, man. I mean, 
Dude, nothing's changed. I'm still out here grinding. Um, literally nothing's changed. Uh, Zoe, my wife's gone back to to uni to wrap up becoming a teacher. She's been working with uh, younger, ki- younger kids in kindergarten and stuff. You have to get an extra qualification to go into teaching bigger kids. Okay, yeah. So, so she's doing that. I'm kind of just holding down the fort at home most of the time with the dog. Uh, literally nothing's changed. Dude, I turned 36 in a few weeks and that's sad and scary at the same time because I feel like that's the transition from being like so I feel like 18 to 25 you're a young adult mm-hmm. and then like 25 to 35 you're like you're an adult but you're still like you're you're still young right and I feel like 36 is me slowly starting to cross that threshold into being like I'm not old but I can't get upset if you think I'm old. Do you know? Well, I mean? you're in your late mid thirties at 36, right? Like actually, actually, I think you could still qualify that as your mid thirties at 37. I'm going to say that's your late mid thirties. And then 38 is when you're in your early late thirties. Right. So I think the way that you put the words makes a big difference in your mindset. Um, so I think, you know, getting older is always hard, but my question to you is as you're approaching 36, give the people one, you know, we have some different demographics of listeners. For people that are still in their 20s that listen to the show, what is something they can expect? Any, you can take it wherever you want to go. What is something to expect as they enter their 30s and into their mid-30s? You put weight on quicker and it comes off a lot slower. Like that, and like, it's not even like, incremental like one day you'll be fine and the next day you're like dude i need to drop some weight and then you're like dude this weight is not dropping like if you like me or i'm assuming like you greg where you know you've always played sports your metabolism's been quite high or you've done some form of sports you've usually been able to not worry too much about your diet you have to be a little bit cautious right because saturated fats and so forth but when you're in, when you're in like your 33 onwards was really when i noticed it and your metabolism takes that step back like you really need to manage everything, like track every calorie that's going in. Otherwise you're going to end up where I am right now, where you're just like, dude, this weight will not go away. Uh, <laughs> and I've never had to deal with that before. So I'm adjusting, I'm adjusting. So what, what's the move? I told you the other day that I'm taking my first uh, Muay Thai class later today. Right. So that's, that's a big move for me as I'm 34 in my mid early mid thirties right now. So I'm trying to find ways other than just playing basketball twice a week, to stay in shape. So for me, Muay Thai is the direction that I'm going. What is it that you're doing right now to, to combat that? Yeah. So I'm dealing with, um, I've got like a broken tooth where I was doing some MMA and so I took a knee to the face and it caught me right where the mouth guard ended. So I've got a broken mm. wisdom tooth. So I'm yeah. waiting for, a. have got to go and get that pulled, but I've got to go to like a dental hospital. You have to wait for the referral. Then it's a whole, f- like it should be done by the end of October. Right. So I'm just doing compound lift rights now. Um, just your five straight compound strength training, dead uh, deadlift, bench press, squat, row, like you know, like bent over barbell row, and then pull ups. But because I'm so heavy at the minute, pull ups aren't really working. So I'm just using dumbbells <laughs> and doing lap break, lap that, lap pull downs with the dumbbells. Uh, does your then, gym? Wh- d- does your gym have the like assisted pull up machine where you can like stand on the lever that like takes weight off of you and supports oh, no, you in your pull up? This is this gym's in my. Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym so it's okay. um it's a functional fitness gym everything's everyone who uses it is in like really good shape it's all built, like, every, like everyone's ripped and strong as shit and I used to be in that similar boat with everybody and now I'm back and I'm like the Homer Simpson in the room you know what I mean <laughs> so like 
we've just got to get back into it. But once my tough's pulled and like obviously I can start taking blows to the face again, I'll be mm-hmm. doing jujitsu and a little bit of Thai boxing. Pause. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with me going to Muay Thai for the first time, okay. What I, I reached out to my buddy, uh, shout out Colin Dwyer, who is a semi-professional Muay Thai fighter out in Thailand for a few years back in our like late teens, early 20s. His one piece of advice to me was no matter how tired you get, make sure you keep your hands up. That's what he said. I'm not expecting the first time I go to this gym to have to spar anybody. They reached out to me and said, all I need to bring for the first lesson is shorts and a t-shirt and a smile. So that was like right up my alley. I was like, okay, cool. That's about the level of Muay Thai that I'm ready for. Shorts, t-shirt, and a smile. But once I get into sparring, give me one piece of advice or anybody out there that's like entering into the world of mixed martial arts, one piece of advice to save their life. Yeah, so you're just you're just doing stand up, right? It's just Muay Thai. There's no groundwork, no wrestling. It's just right Muay now. Thai. It's just Muay Thai. But I'll, so, I'll I'll see how I feel once I get into it. So cl- your hands are the number one priority, right? Like you don't know. I think anybody that hasn't done any striking and the higher level you go, I'm, I've never been at like an elite level, but I've you know I've done K ones and stuff, um, which is like kickboxing rules, but you can have knees, um, no elbows, but and I never did them at a high level either, just so everybody knows. I've just, you know, I did it to stay fit. And then now and again, you want to test where you are. I'm not saying I'm fucking going on Bellator next week to win the title. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, don't, I think if people haven't done it, then they don't realize how quickly your arms get tired just from being held up in a, in a guard position, especially when they're blocking blows as well. And what I think one of the key ones to, to point out is a lot of people, when someone throws a kick, your natural reaction is to drop your hand to try and grab the kick, right? Especially in Thai boxing, because you can grab the leg and you can do all sorts of sweeps and, and knees and stuff. I'd say while you're a beginner, especially, and probably as you move up as well, don't get into a habit of dropping your hand to grab the legs. Um, always keep your hands up. And then if the leg comes and you feel the contact, then you can step away from, like step off the line now, call it, because you'll have mm-hmm. your center line. Yeah. You can step off the line and scoop the leg and then keep. you've got a little bit of a an angle to avoid getting whacked. But if you start dropping your hands early to start grab, trying to parry kicks or grab kicks, people are just going to fake those kicks as you drop your hand. They're just going to spark you in the face. So um, definitely be judicious mm-hmm. with when you do lower your hands and make sure when you punch, you get your hands back as quickly as possible. Like That's why they tell you to snap. Otherwise, you're going to be a... You're going to have a few bruises in the next few weeks. And that's going to happen anyway. You just kind of got to eat that. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big UFC fan. So I the Leon Edwards head kick on Kamara Usman is like a great example of that, right? He he was kind of like chopping away um, at his body. All the, w- w- that fight, just like throwing some, some leg kicks to the body. And then he followed up. I think it was a left hand with a left leg kick behind it to knock out Usman because he was getting so used to his hands coming down to block those those uh, body kicks. But yeah, it's good advice, man. I'm I'm super excited about it. You know, we haven't chopped it up in a while. That's pretty much the only thing that's new with me. Um, I'm excited to start that life. But we are here to talk about the Celtics, so we're gonna take our first break of the podcast, and then when we come back, we are gonna talk a little bit about Jalen Brown working with Chris Matthews, a.k.a. Lethal Shooter. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So, Adam, Jalen Brown obviously ended last season on a very sour note. He has become the butt of all left-handed, no-dribbling jokes um, throughout. It's like almost getting to a level where I feel like he's getting bullied online now for not having a left hand. Like, everybody. any If you look at the comments under Lethal Shooter's most recent post, which I will uh, play here in a second for everybody, it's nothing but people saying, why, why isn't he dribbling with his left hand? Why aren't you showing him working on his left hand? Blah, 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 blah. So before I show this video of Lethal Shooter working with Jalen Brown, which isn't much, it's just Jalen jogging up and down the court. What are your thoughts on the, the narrative surrounding Jalen Brown coming into this season, all seemingly being around his left hand for the common fan? Yeah, I mean... I pissed people off last year multiple times with my thoughts on Jalen Brown because I was like, he cannot dribble left in traffic. That's a fact. Yes, he could improve there, but he's never going to be elite as a as an on-ball creator. So why use him in that way, right? So my mm-hmm. thoughts have not changed. Play him to his strength. He's exceptional when driving. He does need to build a left hand. So when he drives left-handed, He's not a turnover machine and he can still get to where he needs to go. Because at the minute, no matter what side of the floor he's on, you just force him to the left and then the handle's weak and, you know, things start to fall apart really quickly. But it is what it is. I think just use him in where he's most, where he's best, use him off ball, ask him to become more of a screener and then put him in spots to succeed. If, you, if everybody's expecting him to play exactly like Jason Tatum, what's the point in having both guys? 
right? The point is that these guys complement each other. They do different things well. And for some reason, everyone wants them to be exactly the same carbon copy, but they also say they don't work together. I don't understand how it's all meant to tie together if you're asking both to be primary ball handlers. No, that's a great point. And like, you know, last year you did catch a lot of heat and, you know, I, I know, I know that that was frustrating for you. It's frustrating for anybody that's putting out content when you're, you're breaking down the game and you're giving a, a, a very valid point with evidence to back it up. And you're saying Jalen Brown um, would best be served as a play finisher, you know, in today's NBA, because you want more well-rounded people. If you're a quote unquote star, Everybody that watches the game is like, oh, here's what stars do. Stars are able to uh, run a pick and roll, right? They're able to um, play on the ball and off the ball. They're able to set screens and roll off of screens. They're able to make reads in traffic, draw double teams and kick out of double teams. All these things you expect your stars to do um, as we get into like the heliocentrism of basketball today. But Jalen Brown could still fit in like the more traditional um, idea of what a a two guard is in the NBA, right? Like a Rip Hamilton. Think of like a Rip Hamilton. Think of a even like a Demar Derozan before he like developed this playmaking gene. Like Jalen Brown can still be a great NBA player without doing all of the things that Jason Tatum is just more inherently better at. You know, Jason Tatum just has that feel that is preternatural to some degree, right? Like Jason Tatum really is that dude. And Jalen Brown can be that dude in his own way. And I think it was really unfair when you did publish that article for people to be like, oh, like, why would you not want Jalen Brown to become the best version of himself? And I think part of that was, in my opinion, is that people want wanted Jalen to become the best version of himself so that he could get all the money that he wants. Right. And I mean, that's my take on it. It's like, oh, you're holding a guy back so that his earning potential is a little bit lower because he's seen as only being able to do a couple of things versus everything. Um, but now Jalen Brown got his money, right? So Jalen Brown doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Jalen Brown can just focus on doing, you know, all the little things on the court that ma- made him special as a younger player. Um, he said he wants to be first team all defense. J- uh, Jason Tatum said he wants to be first team all defense. So we're seeing these guys that were, kind of looked at as, um, you know, superstars or, or whatever this year coming into this year. Now they can just focus on being the best version of themselves. And I think for Jalen Brown, you know, it, it comes down to the left hand for sure. But w- with dribbling off of that left hand, he doesn't have to be able to necessarily make plays in traffic as long as he has something that he can go to that he feels super confident going to that left hand. I would feel really good about that. Yeah, and I mean, just as uh, the, the way I kind of premise this is, I look at everything through the Brad Stevens like lens, where he used to say, an NBA player does one thing better than everybody else. Like they have one thing where they're exceptional. A star player does two or three things that they do exceptionally well, and then a super, an all star slash superstar has like five or six. Right? Nobody's complete. There's always an area where you could improve. And then I look at someone like DeMar DeRozan that's like, you know, he's an elite mid-range shooter. He can create shots for himself. He can create shots for others, but he doesn't defend much. Nobody really tears into DeRozan the same way that people are tearing into Brown right now because Brown does two or three things really well. He runs transition exceptionally well. Mid-range shots right there. Catch and shoot is good. He can create for himself. It's when he creates for others that there's a problem. Um, 
that's a star in in the Brad Stevens terminology playbook. Now, if you add in playing at an elite level defense, that's the four or five. Now we could, you know, we're talk, we're getting into that superstar type type of territory. But again, you can be a high level impact maker without needing to be a playmaker. And I understand when we look at Tatum, Doncic, LeBron. I mean, to a way lesser extent, even Haywood when he was an All Star for Utah. Yeah. It's that it's that on-ball creation, but there's more than one way. And I think that if everybody just played the same style of basketball with this massive kind of push for the three-point movement, it would be boring as shit because it's like where well, everyone does the same stuff. Right. Like it, it, I like the fact that each guy's game is a bit diverse and that they suck at things and they excel at things. So me saying that Brown should be playing within this kind of like lane instead of this lane isn't me trying to hold him back it's me saying this is how he's going to be at his best and for me i just want guys to be at their best and succeed at what they're great at so we can minimize the weaknesses and that to me is how you do so but uh left hand yeah as long as he's got one or two moves he doesn't run himself into the need to post up onto somebody to try and protect the ball and then wait for the offense to kind of figure shit out he'll be fine yeah and i think with jalen one thing that he does like doing when he goes to his left hand is that little like classic T Mac Jamal Crawford hang dribble fake like you're driving left pull up into the jump shot right so he does have that but he needs something else off of that and I think one more thing just being able to deck the ball for one or two dribbles going left I think will be huge you know it, it's funny watching watching that video of Jalen working out with uh, with Chris Matthews aka Lethal Shooter you'd expect right for a Lethal Shooter maybe to post Jalen Brown actually shooting um, but one thing that I'm interested in with Jalen right last season all we saw out of Jalen Brown was you know posting those underwater videos really trying to make content out of his workouts but this summer Jalen Brown's been pretty quiet in terms of what he's been putting out for public consumption. We saw a couple of, uh, you know, images of him working out with Jason Tatum. Now a lethal shooter, I'm sure, got Jalen Brown's permission to show this video, which is interesting because, as you said, it's just him kind of jogging up and down the court, probably finishing a workout um, at this point after he did all of his, his skill work. So do you read anything into Jalen Brown's kind of silence on the social media front this summer? I just think he's putting in work, man. I think that with the amount of criticism he's getting, it makes sense to go silent. Like, one of the things I really dislike, and I try to avoid it as much as possible, obviously we're in a space where we give opinions, and sometimes those opinions are going to be negative. It is what it is. But I think when you're in, like, you have the platform that Brown has, the negativity can be amplified quite a lot. Mm. And you're coming off a hard season where... You know, he definitely probably holds himself accountable for the way the finals went, you know, the Eastern Conference finals of when Tatum got injured. He most definitely has been carrying that load all summer. Why would you want to share workout videos when all you're going to get is more of what we saw on Lethal Shooter's post? Yeah. I, I wouldn't want that. Like, I get a little bit of pushback on things and that's fine, but there's some times where you do just get trolled and it's just, it's not a nice experience. Now, doing that, all over the summer and having people really mess with you in my head, get into your mindset. I think Brian's done the right thing and just taking himself off social media and just locking in on the task at hand. Definitely. Yeah. That's kind of how I read into it too. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to take our final break of the podcast. And when we come back, maybe we'll have a few more thoughts on Jalen Brown. Then we're going to talk about the Celtics, other mega star, Jason Tatum. <laughs> 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Adam. So is there anything else that you want to hit on with Jalen Brown or you want to talk about our guy, JT? Let's go to JT. JB got we we praised JB there. I feel like so we can move to JT. Okay, and I probably I I will share my screen just so you see Jason Tatum. But for some reason you couldn't hear the audio, so I don't know if I want to do that whole thing again. Let's see. Let's try it out. If it works, it works. All right. So Jason Tatum, there he is. There's our guy, looking so handsome. Jason Tatum went back to Duke to visit the Duke women's basketball team that brings a smile to my face man seeing tatum uh visit those girls and to see how excited they get what do you what is your first like takeaway seeing jason tatum show up at duke and uh go support the women's team you know as a girl dad i just love seeing athletes support the women's game of basketball or any f- women's sport to be honest with you i think that there's a lot of people out there that try to shit on women's sports for really unfair reasons. If you go and watch the WNBA, we're in the semifinals at the moment of the uh, playoffs. That basketball's elite. They run great actions. Everybody's like ridiculously talented. I've seen Tatum go there and just kind of be like, hey, I came from here and now look where I am. And you could do that too by going into, you know, by following in Aja Wilson's footsteps, by following in Candice Parker's footsteps and so forth. To me, that's great. And I feel like, he would have made their day as well and made memories for them because not all of them are going to move on to the WNBA, but all of them got to meet Jason Tatum. So I think it was just great from uh, from both standpoints, really. Yeah, and I also, it's just like so cool to me to see how popular Jason Tatum has become. You know, we saw him come in as a babyface rookie uh, when he was 19 years old. Uh, looks and you know just looking at him now he looks like a different person he you know like literally a grown man now and when you see him getting the subway commercials you see him getting the the uh, the Gatorade commercials you see him getting the the JT sneakers all these things that are making Jason Tatum into a megastar uh you know showing up to parties and dating LMA like all these things that Jason Tatum 
we like I still think of him as that rookie and it's it's funny to me because now he's a grown man and when you see the impact that he already has on the next generation of basketball player men or women you know to me it's like man we really got one we might have the the best American basketball player for the next eight years you know he might be that guy um but one thing that stood out to me with Tatum going back to Duke is just like the sense of loyalty that he has right Jason Tatum always shows love to Duke he always shows love to St. Louis and to me that's just got me thinking he's always going to show love to the Celtics Jason Tatum is going to be a Celtic for life you know whether he leaves the Celtics at the end of his next contract extension or not. I think Jason Tatum is is one of those guys that's always going to kind of like be a part of the Celtics community. And if, if I had to put money on it, I think Jason Tatum is going to be here in green for the entirety of his career, unless we trade him, which would be horrible. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe he's driven by legacy. I, I think that some players are driven by maximizing that bag, and that's perfectly fine. You know, careers are short. But Tatum speaks about legacy frequently. During pretty much every interview he does, there's a discussion about what he wants his legacy to be. And you get legacy through longevity. It doesn't come with... Unless you're like LeBron and you go to every team you go to, you win a ring with, then that legacy has to come through longevity. Have your jersey retired up in the rafters. Have a few championship banners that you were a part of winning. You know, have those scoring records within the franchise, rebounding assists, however you however you want to do it. But that longevity is important. So I think that, you know, maybe late in his career, it'll be like Paul Pierce, where he goes and does like a tour of a few teams during mm-hmm. the final years. And that's cool. Like Dwayne Wade did that before he went back to Miami, right? He yep. went to Cleveland and he went to um he went to Chicago. Yeah. And then he went back his hometown. to Yep. Done it, and then went back to Miami to wrap it up. And there is no uh, basketball in St. Louis right now, right? So Jason Tatum can't do the D-Wade and go like go play in St. Louis because it's his hometown like he did in Chicago. So for Jason Tatum, basketball hometown, right, that's Duke and that's Boston right now. So I think with, with Tatum, I'm just like super excited to, to see the excitement on the Duke women's basketball team's face when he, when he shows up. And just to think about, you know, the legacy of Jason Tatum as we head into his age, what, 25 season? Is he 25 or 26 I right think now? He turns 20, I think he turns 26 during the season. I always question this. So is this his age 25 season because he's 25 when it starts or age 26 mm. season because he's 26 when it ends? That's a great question. I have no idea. I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> I generally go with the age when it starts. So this will be his age 25 season. He's got 100 and... 59 days left of being 25 if my math is correct. Okay, yeah, I'm going to call it his age 25 season two. Um, okay, well, we're about 30 minutes into the pod. Adam, is there anything else that you want to talk about? I know you did a little bit um, of film study, just a little bit on Lamar Stevens. I'm sure you haven't done your full deep dive yet, but we talked pretty in depth about Lamar Stevens last pod. Has there anything changed in the little film study that you've done when you think about Lamar Stevens after your your, your first session? No, so that film study was going to be a lot longer, but then it was, I realized people were watching football, not basketball. So I was like, well, why am I fucking doing this right now? You know, I'm going to go play some 2K. Um, He likes to go under screens a lot. That was probably one of my biggest takeaways. He goes under a lot, and I think that's because he does tend to get caught up on screens when he goes over. So, but he does have like a really good burst of speed. He's got good length that when he goes under, he doesn't really go like, you know, when some guys go under, 
it's like shoulder to shoulder and there's a very small gap for you to shoot back out to meet your man and other guys kind of take that big U shape kind of under. Stevens does go tight when he goes under. Um, but obviously to me, I prefer you don't do that unless you're trying to beat someone who's trying to drive and you're trying to force the pick up and take away the dribble completely. Um, strong. I don't know if you saw the one clip I put out there where he kind of just took a complete blow, a shoulder blow off Giannis and barely budged. Mm-hmm. He just absorbed it, dude. Just next. And then managed to strip the ball as well as he went up for the shot. So he's got active hands. He's strong, fast, good, good um, lateral movement, good change of pace. He's going to be, I'm, I'm gonna, I think Boston fans are going to really enjoy the way he plays just because of how physical he is and how committed he is. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people were, were saying like we, like me, myself, we needed Lamar Stevens because we lost a lot of toughness when Grant Williams and Marcus Smart left, right? And that, that's the biggest thing I see with Lamar Stevens. You mentioned how everyone's watching football. Well, Lamar Stevens plays basketball like he's playing football. He, he's a football player on the court. He's that type of athlete, super broad. He's like a little stiff, so he's never going to be this like super polished offensive player, kind of semi um, just in, in terms of the way that his, his feel on offense um, I think he's probably got a little bit more in his bag than Semi did. But I think a lot of what he offers on the defensive end is just elite athleticism. And Semi was a, a really strong athlete, re- really good positional defender, but he he couldn't really jump on defense, right? He, he was much more positional. Some of the clips that I've seen of Lamar Stevens, he's got he's quick off his feet too, which I like. Like he he has a couple blocks, um, chase down blocks where you think that he, he he's kind of shut off by by somebody getting their shoulder into his chest and you think that he's beat and he's able to still be strong, as you mentioned, and still be vertical, which I really like about him. You know, he's only six, five, six, six, but I think he's going to really fit into that Grant Williams role on defense. Obviously he's not going to be a 40% shooter from three. I don't think that's, that's going to be ever in, in the cards for him in the future. But when Grant Williams came to the league, you know, he wasn't known as a great shooter. And then he spent some, he, you know, spent a couple summers with lethal shooter that we mentioned earlier in the pod. And he really worked himself into a much better shooter. I think Grant probably was a nat had a little bit more of a natural um, kind of nice flow to his shot than Lamar Stevens does. But Lamar Stevens, one of those guys that seems like he'd be a hard worker. So hopefully being around other good shooters and other guys that work really hard, he'll figure out a way to knock down at least 36% of open corner three-point shoot sh- shots. I think if he can hit that number 36 to 38 on open three-point shots, he'll at least be a positive on the offensive end or not or a net negative. Yeah, it'll be like just a, a round league average at that mm-hmm. point. Like, and you're okay with that, which is crazy, right? League average three-point percent shooting is going up year after year at this point. I will say that one of the biggest blows to the Celtics in terms of shot development this year was the loss of Ben Sullivan when he went over to Houston with Ime. Mm. Um, you know, Sullivan had a big hand in the development of Grant Williams' shot as well as Lethal Shooter. I think that he was part of the reason why we saw Jalen Brown become such a good mid-range guy. And I think he worked with Derek White last summer. We saw all the videos. And then Derek White comes in and has one of the best shooting seasons of his career. Losing Sullivan, as you bring in a guy like Stevens that could develop into the quintessential free and D guy and then really kind of plug that gap that you lost with Grant, well, that sucks because Sullivan's role was that shot fixer. That's what he did. He taught, he rebuilt guy shots and made them more consistent shooters. 
I wonder if Charles Lee will be able to assume some of that role or whether there's somebody else on the staff that's going to step up and they're going to work on that. Mm. But at the minute, that was to me like this new coaching staff is deeper. It's more talented, more experienced. But that one aspect, which is so important, right, is sh- like shot mechanics and shot like shoot- shooting coaching through the year, not just during the summer. That one aspect at the minute is one way I'm like, dude, I think they probably got a little bit worse there. Yeah, I wonder if uh, if like a lethal shooter or Chris Chris Matthews would ever be interested in a full time NBA position. I feel like he probably just makes too much money as like a um, celebrity shooting coach at this point. Yeah, and like you probably like what's the word I'm looking for? You've got no allegiances, then you can work with everybody. Whereas if you work for a team, it's probably something like the team's probably not going to be happy if like you're coaching the Celtics and then you go out and work with I don't know Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. who and Donovan Mitchell Overson takes a five percent uptick across the board in his shooting. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah, but you could probably. I wonder if there, there's a way to like just bring him in as an outside consultant. If that's like a whole another market that NBA teams could look at. You know, like shoot shooting clinics uh, for interested players for, for for like a week or two with <laughs> with like a shooting specialist. That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, I wonder. I think that in my head, I don't know if they'd like that because what type of message does that send to your coaches? Mm. do you know what i mean like hey yeah. you guys aren't really doing like you're, you guys not cutting the mustard so i don't know if you guys use that term out there uh yeah but, yeah I, well i i think that a good coach would be self-aware enough to know if they're like an yeah, elite shooting I, coach. I, I, I suck at teaching guys to shoot like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, it, it's that. not an easy thing like i i feel like so i've actually spent some time as a, a shooting coach consultant i worked with um this this guy rick castle uh, down here in Austin, Texas, who who teaches a very specific type of shot. Um, I, I, it was like ten years ago, so I forget exactly what it what it's called. I think it's called like the pro shot method. It's all about um, not necessarily having your shoulders square, but about like a a sway and a lean in your shot. So it's kind of if you think of like the way Kevin Durant shoot shoots, it's kind of like similar to how Kevin Durant shoots versus how like a Steph Curry shoots or like a Steve Nash shoots, which are a lot more like mechanically sound. I think when you think of like the quote unquote, uh, perfect shot, um, his, it's like, uh, I know, I I think Jay Crowder also uses that method. If you like picture the way Jay Crowder shoots, he like kind of sways his feet forward. Um, so there's a bunch of different ways to teach it, but like, you know, I, I think a good coach is always going to know when there's someone who knows more about it. Right. And a good coach is always going to be open to learn from somebody else. So if you brought in somebody like uh, Chris Matthews into camp, I think it'd be interesting. And I think uh, some teams around the league should consider that, but bad shooting, end- coaches, oh, go ahead. bad shooting coaches can really fuck your game up though. Like Agreed. I remember when I was younger, uh, I used to think I had quite a good shot. I, I mean, I grew up in the early two thousands. So I practiced, you know, elbow jumpers, um, pull-ups around you remember the game around do you ever used to play like around the clock where you'd line up all up across the key yeah we called it around the world but yeah yes same thing so like um i used to always drill nail jumpers and both elbow jumpers and then i'd drill like beating a closeout to take those jumpers that would be that was my shit and i was super consistent and then i started playing for this new team and this coach was like you shoot your forms all wrong you've got to rebuild your whole shot i'm like dude they fucking go in Mm-hmm. Like consistently, he's like, nope. If you want to play on this team, you got to rebuild the shot. Dude, it took me three years after playing for that team to go back to the way I was before that. My shot, it was so rigid, and he was like, "You've got to tuck your arm into where you can feel your entire arm tensing up." Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, do you know how? Long, like, by the time I've done that, the defense, like, it's too much. So yeah. 
a bad shooting coach can fuck you up as much as a good shooting coach can take. Yeah, and I, I think at this point, right, with the way that YouTube has developed and Instagram has developed, if you really want to learn how to be a good shooter, you could probably just like go to YouTube or go to Instagram and find enough videos where you could teach yourself at least yeah. a workable shot. Like back in the day, I remember uh, to your point, I had a great high school coach, shout out Brendan Smith, who runs a, a step ahead basketball in Massachusetts, but he wasn't a shooting coach. Right. And between my sophomore year and junior year playing varsity ball, I was like a defense first. No, I'm between my freshman year and sophomore year of varsity ball. He told me because my shot was low. It was like very Steph Curry's esque. He told me I'm going to have to be able to shoot the ball over my head to get my shot off at the varsity level my sophomore year. So I didn't, I tried to teach myself how to shoot the ball over my head. And like my shot ended up being this like really smooth, like Steph Curry esque shot to being like a weird Larry bird like type shot. My sophomore year, it was slow. My, I wasn't strong enough yet. And I don't think I hit, like I went from being like a knockdown three point shooter my freshman year to not being able to hit a three pointer my sophomore year because I completely messed up my shot. And then my junior year, I worked with a coach to, to figure out how to shoot again because I couldn't shoot my sophomore year because I had a coach that gave me some bad advice. So I, I totally feel you on that. It does, um, man. It really messes you up. It really, really does. Really does. Career killers back in the day, man. Back in the early 2000s, we were getting the bad advice left, right, and center, dude. For sure. All right. Well, Adam, I am about uh, two hours away from getting punched in the face at uh, Muay Thai class. Is today so the first day? Today's first day. Oh, so. yes. You're gonna love it. No one's going to punch you in the face today. I hope not. I hope not. My hands will be held high. All right. That's it for this episode of Green with Envy. On the next episode, we uh, might have a special guest joining us. Will should be back as the host. Uh, hopefully, Adam, I did a good job hosting. I know I said, hey, do you want to host? And you said, no, I've done enough. I've done enough hosting in my life. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We're going to play you out with some Black Sheep Optimists, who, by the way, are going to be releasing a new song in the next couple months. So stay on the lookout for that. Peace, everybody. We love you. Every time I get this high, I lose my mind. It don't take much no more. Until I hit the floor. Every time I get this high, it's you I find. It don't take much no more. Until I'm at your door. You cut me to my core, baby. What can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating.